Black Lives in Music was started in the UK in the wake of Blackout Tuesday in 2020. Set up as a charity with the goal of dismantling structural racism in the music industry, they've since published a survey of over 2,000 artists and music business professionals outlining the prevalence and perception of racism in the UK music industry. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we talked to the chief executive of Black Lives in Music, Sharice Beaumont, about what's changed in the past three years and what hurdles the UK music industry is still facing. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Sharice Beaumont. She's the chief executive of Black Lives in Music. Sharice, welcome to the future of what? Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to speak with you. So to get started, tell us about Black Lives in Music. My understanding is you guys were created after Blackout Tuesday in 2020. Yeah. Uh, So I was asked to do a business plan in regards to a response that a, a, a great response the music industry could do to help black people after Blackout Tuesday. And as I went to do the business plan, I was doing my research and I quickly realised that there was no data (laughs) at all on black people in the UK. Black musicians, black music creators, black students, there wasn't anything. It was a melting pot of called BAME, which is black, Asian, minority, ethnic. And that doesn't really tell the story of any of those people groups, if you would, or those communities. So alongside my co-founder... Um, our co-founder, Roger Wilson, we decided to create a data set and uh, we launched a report called Being Black in the UK Music Industry in October 2021, which, if you would, was very well received in terms of it went everywhere. We got 5,000 downloads in the first week and just a really good press coverage. But what the report actually showed is what we already knew as black people in the industry, our lived experience, but it seemed like it was fresh news (laughs) to everybody else in the industry, which is the music industry is institutionally racist. Right. So our business model works like this. We we have our research side and we have our advocacy side as well. So we work with organisations to look at their DNI objectives to ensure that they get there, they get signed a relationship manager, and we have some fantastic organisations, just over 90 organisations, 990, sorry, um, organisations that we're working with, not just in the UK, but in the US as well, to help them reach their EDI goals. So it is fantastic just to see everyone rolling up their sleeves for change. Excellent. So you've been, it's been well received, which is great. Have you guys, you've published only one iteration of the report so far? So, yeah, we have another report coming out in, in a few weeks um, called Race and Disability. So it's looking at the lived experience of being black and disabled musician, music creator and industry professional and just the barriers that they face. We also have four more reports lined up this year looking at bullying harassment in the UK music industry, being black in the music industry or music education, being black in music education and some others which I don't want to share on the podcast right now. I'll see you on the other end of those. 
Yes. So. Excellent. And will those be available at your website? Absolutely. So um, we have a report section on our website, but yeah, you'll probably hear, we're quite loud when it comes to publishing our reports. For us, it's important that for the, for just to see the music industry take the direction of um, positive change, we ensure that we really go really hard with the PR. So everybody understands what they need to do to contribute to change. Absolutely. Your website is blim.org.uk, just in case anyone would like to go there and download some of these reports coming up and the older report. So we've got that housekeeping aside. So let's just talk about the state of the industry, because obviously Blackout Tuesday was a wake-up call on both sides of the Atlantic for all of us, and the industry had a, had a very hearty response. But how do you feel things are going now, three years down the line? So I'm really heartened by, when I look at the organisations that we've partnered with, you know, the majority of them, and I'm talking about 99% of them, are genuine, authentic, want to make change. But if we're looking at the milestone of Blackout Tuesday and the Black Squares, I have to say as a whole, as an industry, I feel we may even be going backwards. Mm. Wow. We have seen some events and issues happen recently of late where we've seen major corporations invest and back people with whether it's you know it's not now but previously and um, previously racist agendas anti-black agendas after blackout tuesday and they stuck by them mm. and when you look at these organizations especially some that are supposed to be progressive gold standard leaders in, if you would, the new generation of well-being and behaviour of how you treat your employees. It, I'm so astounded at the fact that these organisations still continue to have the gall to stand with those who deem themselves as racist or have done racist things in the past, anti-black racism in the past, and think it's okay and think that it doesn't affect our well-being. In our report, it said in the UK, uh, we had 2,000 participants. 36% of black people working in the UK, music creators, said they, their mental health has declined since starting their careers in, in music. This rises up to 42% if you're a black woman. And when I see that organisations are not, are actually going the other way and they are publicly standing by racist people, it feels, I wonder what it does to the mental health of their workers that work with them. Mm. Yes. And this, this is the things that we need to look at. We're talking about well-being, we're talking about the safety, we're talking about bullying, harassment in the music industry and all these horrible things that we're yeah. trying to clear up and we're trying to make it better and we're trying to make ensure that everyone thrives it feels like they're doing better moonwalking than Michael Jackson. <laughs> they're really going backwards. And that is... that's why we exist. We, we exist to hold the industry to account. And you can hear in my voice, it's really hard, yeah. you know, emotionally to do this, but we're here to hold the industry to account. But again, I want to reiterate, those who do roll up their sleeves, those who are involved in the 
betterment of the music industry to ensure that their employees, their organisation is becoming better for everyone, more inclusive, a more sense of belonging, a better culture for their, for their audiences. I'm happy that we're working with those organisations and, you know, we're making steps to a better future for all of us. Absolutely. I think there's sort of a worldwide thing going on right now, too. It's I mean, it's almost like a backlash or a doubling down. I mean, when you're talking about people who are standing with people who are actively racist or or avow white supremacist ideologies, which a lot that's happening a lot in the states as well, where these people are saying things that I think 10 years ago, they probably wouldn't even have been able to say out loud. But it's Mm -hmm. like suddenly they're emboldened to say it all. Um, and yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very, it's a very confusing moment. It's, it's a very confusing moment in time. I optimistically am hoping that this is some sort of, you know, last ditch effort on the part of, you know, people who believe that white people should, should rule. You know, this is like their, their like last battle cry, hurrah. But at the same time, it's hard to, it's hard to say that, you know, people who've been in power for hundreds of years will cede that power you know will go quietly because they're not going to go quietly absolutely you know if we look at and you know the the plight of women you know gender the the, you know gender equality race and gender we speak about but gender equality here you know why are and we're seeing some progressive steps let's let's be honest but when you really think about it (laughs) you know Black Lives and Music, we sit in jazz and classical in terms of our focus in, in when it comes to genre. Classical music, with all of the repertoire out there, all of the composers and compositions, why are we still playing music from dead old white men from hundreds of years ago? <laughs> yes. And, that, and you really have to ask the question, like, what, where are the female, the, the female composers are there, the black, Asian ethnically diverse if you would players are there why are we not seeing a a a a diverse repertoire right and you have to really think about it and you have to start asking why really what's the why is this happening why in my view preservation that's a really really strong thing and i know some people might not like it but i can't really figure out anything else I can't really I'm really trying to wrap my brain why is it so hard to have all an all-female lineup in or uh, all-female but females in our lineup in 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 festivals in the UK we have festivals just as you Mm. have in the US obviously yes in the UK we're still seeing all male headliners and if you're black you're not getting on there like that's just you know and that's what we're fighting let alone Mm the white supremacist side of it all where, you know, making space for us. And the sad thing about it, and it's really sad, is that we contribute more, not so much, a lot to the mm-hmm. music industry. Absolutely. You know, our, our, you know, our songwriters, black songwriters, black producers, new genres, especially in the UK, you know, Afrobeat. We, 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 millions, but you can't see black women 
ex female execs break through the ceiling, break that glass ceiling. They stay mm -hmm. at mid-management level. They stay at entry level. They never get to senior management level. That's facts. That's in our data and that's in the government's data here in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that is what yeah. we're dealing with. We, there is a, such a disparity, a lack of respect for what we contribute. And that's what needs to change. And, you know, the data is there and all the sayings there. It affects your bottom line. You know, there's profits for all if we diversify. But at the same time, there's the moral aspect. Are you going to continue treating or locking away that person who's fighting their hardest to get what they deserve and can't get through the door, can't play the genre of music they want, can't be who they can be authentically as a musician or in the workplace because of systemic structures. These need right. to change. And we're seeing some changes certainly in the U.S. in that regard that's stemming from the artists. You know, artists who say, I, I don't want... I want a black A&R person, you know, for example. I want to work with people who look like me, people who understand where I come from, you know, who understand my culture. Um, you see that in the U.S. happening more and more, and I do feel like that's a marketplace influence that's going to ha uh, create some change. But I feel like it has to, at the end of the day, it has to come from the top down. This is not going to be something that we can expect artists to fix. I mean, we talk about this on the show all the time. You can't expect the people who are disadvantaged to fix their own oppression. Like, that is ask, asking too much. <laughs> oppressed people are not in charge of fixing their own oppression. The oppressors have to knock it off. And that's, you know, it's like, so market forces can only do so much. There has to be an actual desire for change uh, top down. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt. Absolutely. You know, um, since of late, I've just really been looking at profits over oppression. That just that saying is just in my mind. And I'm like, you know, with our anti-racism code of conduct, we have a clause in there, which is, you know, vetting third parties to ensure that they're anti-racist or they have good EDI policies. This is in America. I know this is commonplace, not so much over here in the UK. You know, you have you know, tech com companies have that sort of thing. And so we want to implement that here in the UK. But a lot of organisations wouldn't even pass that, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's really bad because for them, they would, they honour profits over oppression. They would rather see people be oppressed as long as they're making their money. And we can name names. I know you know names of all big, huge, huge organisations that have done that, you know? Well, yeah, we know he's racist, but mm, let's let's do it anyway. Sorry. Let's just get the crisis people to speak to Black Lives and Music and make it all feel better. That That's where we're at. And that's what we're seeing again. And we're tired. Black people are tired. We're exhausted. It, it's, it's affecting us because we see yeah. it for what it is. And a lot of organisations think, well, so, and that's not on. But like you yeah. said, it can't be the artist. It has to be the top down. And that's why mm -hmm. we have to see and have more representation from the top down. And until then, we need the leaders of the music industry to actually take it on with their heart, our anti-racism mm -hmm. code of conduct, or just looking at their employees and looking around and ensuring that they're safe, ensuring that they have a career 
trajectory or progression, looking around and seeing what they can do to make change. And until and, and if they don't, then they're not effective leaders as far as I'm concerned. Right. And it really is at the end of the day. I mean, every study has shown that diversity, diversity in the workforce increases profits. And, it, and how could it not? You know, if you think about it, especially in the music industry, as you pointed out, so many artists in the UK music scene are black. The, so many of the innovations in the music are black, uh, are originated by black people. And US is the exact same, you know. So if black consumers are buying the music made by black artists, the idea that you're that there's no money in supporting black executives, black artists is is wrong. It's obviously wrong. So absolutely, and it's not just. And I know you like you know this. It's not just black consumers. Our music is everybody. Exa- exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Is, our music is pop music. That's fact. yes. That's yeah. You know, and right. And so it's we know what we're talking about. If we're making yep. the music, we're making hits. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So trust us with that. Give us the positions that we deserve. Allow black women not to be at entry mid-management level and then having to, you know, I think I saw a stat this week. I think it was like 42% of women, black women start their own businesses and make a success of it, have to start their own business. 42%. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of people leave the industry to start their own business and make a success for it. Why can't you trust us with a senior management position? Like, why? And yeah, I I guess there is a lot of work to do. I I wish we were going in the right direction, but right now we're not. We really aren't. And we need to make some changes and make some hard changes to ensure that um, everyone feels like they belong. Everybody. Absolutely. And it makes it makes economic sense as well. And I think that's the thing that has to be brought to the forefront is that this, you know, if you are only concerned with money, this this should interest you greatly. <laughs> well, Being... I mean, you know, Portia, you know, it's the word nepotism comes to mind. It, it, they are concerned with money, but at the same time, it's their friends and bringing in people that they know, whether it's family members or, you know, people that they've come up with and it all look, always looks the same whether you're mm. in classical music or whether you're an exec in a major label it's who you know and that has to change you know it Absolutely. has to it has to be the best people for the role in mm. order for us to make the money you know not mediocre friends and <laughs> quote me on that i know that's really bad but it's the truth yeah you know? let's let's have a music industry where everyone can thrive and let's let's put oppression away and you know let's let's just let's just have some uh, fairness and equality that everyone deserves yeah i love that you know it's, it's really bad sorry i mean uh, i mean that's all me today so no. <laughs> it's it's important to have a reality check every now and then you know to really to hear how it is on the ground and it's it's quite difficult it's an uphill fight you know i think People got excited for a couple of years there that we could, you know, make these big changes. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely absolutely right. You know, people at the top have to make changes and they have to be willing to step outside their comfort zones. They have to not just hire their friends and relatives. They have to, you know, truly commit to diversity. And that's 
that's a hard thing to do. And the good news is some people are doing it, which is fantastic. And, and that will have an effect over time. And I feel like that's one of those things. You know, when I entered the music industry 25 years ago, you know, I used to go to conferences and every single panel was five white guys. It was the same. It was just, and, and a lot of times it was the same five white guys on different panels. <laughs> and that has changed so much in the U.S., really a lot. So I know it can change. It can Yeah, change. no, the panels, they, they, you know, some of them here in the U.K., there's still a little bit of work, but the panels have changed. The people speaking have changed. But again, the leaders of organizations, the decision makers haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what we've got to look at. And when I think about those commitments in um, Blackout Tuesday, that amazing piece of work, I, f- I really feel we need another one. But anyway, <laughs> I feel yeah. when I think about the commitments made, which were to protect black people, to empower black people, to ensure, you know, that they're safe. All of this surrounding George Floyd. Now, I've, I, I question if these organisations can actually hand on heart, say they um, measure themselves, measure, and see if they've made that, if they can stand towards their commitment, that, those commitments they've made. I right. don't think they can, a lot of the larger ones, because mm-hmm. what I'm seeing recently is horrific yeah no it's it's definitely i think that's an interesting idea call for another blackout tuesday <laughs> seriously yeah not a bad idea yeah. little status check how are we doing yeah how are we doing measure way. let's measure you know yeah. the beautiful thing about data it is that measurement and it gives you so much insight yeah. measure and then make yeah. change measure the commitments you made okay like we're doing this we can commit to that and then measure do your employees feel safe when you're standing mm-hmm. next to a racism and investing hundreds of millions in them or billions. Right. Um, so Black Lives and Music, we are launching an anti-racism, industry-wide anti-racism code of conduct. And we're really excited about it. It, it will be um, endorsed by uh, the new Creative Industries Independent Standards Authority, who... Um, are actually working for against bullying harassment in the music industry. It will provide services such as mediation, investigation, and a reporting tool. So if anyone does go through discrimination or witnesses racism, they are have a place to go. Currently, there aren't that many places to go, but you can come and complain through Black Lives and Music, through CESA, and we are able to help you. So we're really excited that the UK music industry has endorsed our anti-racism code of conduct at the highest level, um, government and UK music and the trade bodies in the UK. So we're looking forward to rolling that out and hope, hopefully we can see a better music industry that is safe for everyone and that everyone can thrive and feel like they belong. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. I could talk to you all day. Sorry that we... <laughs> That we have to end, but my guest is Sharice Beaumont. She is the chief executive of Black Lives and Music in the UK. Sharice, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What? Thank you so much. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Clark Buckner at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. 
I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice cream?